my worst enemy The flesh that's covering me Brings me down to my knees Welcome to Sermons in the Park a ministry exploring biblical truth from the Word of God, focusing on the truths that help us in our daily walk with Christ in every aspect of our lives. Now, here is your Reverend, Jamie McCaskill. Hello, brothers and sisters, and welcome back to an all-new Sermons in the Park. As always, I am your Reverend, Jamie McCaskill. I'll take this time like I do each and every week just to tell you thank you for joining me here. It's always a pleasure to have you it's a pleasure to be here now um the reason that today's is a is a uh, audio with the pictures uh if you probably saw last week um the audio quality was poor over on youtube and the videos um me and my son are working on that trying to figure out why my microphone was so low we don't know I mean, you guys know that's a really expensive mic really good quality mic there's no reason it should have did that we don't know what's going on but we're, we're still working on that we're going to get that fixed um and also i'm recording this on saturday morning instead of friday night like i usually do so uh i don't have time to to edit the the audio and then put the audio onto the video because the video the the software i use for the video Depending on how long the video is, it could take that amount of time, the same length as the video, for the video to process. Um, and then you got to add on to me editing the, the, the sound to just the right spot so that the, the, the audio and video match one another. That's why if you've probably seen in the past where I threw my hands up, that was just in case because it gives me a marker. And I didn't do that. So, um, because of course the audio has been really good. So I wasn't really worried about that. And then of course, well, you, if you watch the video, you heard what happened. So, um, for those of you who watch the videos and refuse to go to the, uh, podcast, I'm sorry. That's just how it worked. The pot over here on the podcast, you guys know the audio quality is always good because of the recorder that I use, the equipment that I use, which the, the, the microphone I use for the videos is the same microphone used for the pot. Well, it's that one's not made for the podcast recorder. That one's made for the computer, but it's the same microphone, just a different hookup. Um, because they're one's a, one's a zoom one, one's a zoom two. So one of them has the ability to hook to the computer but not the podcast recorder. So basically, they're made to be used for the way that I use them. Um, I just wanted to get that cleared up now so that you understand what happened. And again, I apologize. We're working on it. Just bear with us. Um, but otherwise, you can come over here to the podcast, join the other podcast listeners, and listen on the podcast if the sound quality matters. Because you could still hear me. It was just poor sound quality. So... Um, getting onto something better. Um, you've been hearing me talk about the layoff with the UAW strike. Yes, I'm still on. Yes, I'm still laid off. If uh, the the, uh, the GoFundMe is still available, if you wish to help out. Um, but God, God heard my prayers. God answered my prayers. Um, my bills for the month are taken care of. Um, my wife Jennifer and I have been waiting for over two years for some money that she was supposed to be getting because of her being disabled, and we're finally getting that. So, yes, our bills are covered for the month of November. They're, take, they're taken care of. So I'm not in as much stress as I was before. I mean, could we still use some extra money to help out with other things like food and, and um, you know, uh, rides for the to go back and forth to the store to the pharmacy and that stuff yes we could still use that so if you're willing to help out with that that gofundme is still available i will still put that in the um description of the podcast and and also the youtube video so if you're able to help please do it's still there um i'm not taking that down just yet but um 
yeah, the the stress is off. God blessed us. God's taking care of us. And I, you know, I knew he would. I just, you know, I just, I didn't have a moment of doubt. I believed God was going to take care of me. But of course, I still was nervous, right? And that's part of being human. It's part of the flesh. You know, that as that song says at the beginning, you know, my worst enemy is the flesh, you know, the, the flesh surrounding me, right? So let's take our time. Let's take this moment to bow our heads and thank our heavenly Father for all the great and wonderful gifts He's given us, the great and wonderful blessings we see day in and day out. It's all because of Him that we're able to get up and get around, right? So it's because of Him that we're able to walk and talk. It's that's all because of God, Heavenly Father. We come to you now just to say thank you, thank you for all the amazing blessings you give us, the blue sky above our head, the green grass below our feet. The people that we can meet day in and day out. The opportunities you give us to serve you by bumping into people who may need to hear your word. We thank you, Father, for for the gift of energy. The fact that we're able to get up and walk and talk out of bed every morning. The fact that we can even lift our head up off the pillow because there are some people who can't. The ability to breathe in air. That's because of you, Father. You give us all of that. You give us food to eat. You give us water to drink. You know, you all you take care of us as a good father should, and we thank you in the name of your son Jesus Christ. Amen. So here we are, right? We're continuing our, our reading and review of the book of Genesis, you know, where we do our, our book by book, chapter by chapter, verse by verse breakdowns. We are in Genesis. Um and here we are in chapter forty four. So if you if you haven't been keeping up um, like I said, that's what we do here. We do what's called an expository sermons. We, we take a whole book, we, we break it down. Like I just said, book by book, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, and sometimes word by word. And this week we're in chapter 44 of Genesis. So if you have not been, if you're new and you haven't been keeping up with us, pause this video, pause this podcast, go back to the first one if you wish to and get caught up. And I promise you, if you pause this right here, when you come back, you'll find us right here where you were, and you can pick up and just continue on. So we're here in chapter 44, and last week we read where where uh, Joseph, he had his brothers there, and he was visiting with them. And um, you know, one of my favorite moments is we see Joseph. He, he has trouble, right? Because he, he wants to tell his brothers who he was, but he can't. And, and we see him... He starts to break down at one point, doesn't he? And and he runs out of the room and he uh he goes into his bedroom and we see that he he sits down there and he well, I'm assuming he sits down and he cries and he cries and he weeps. And he, he gets that he gets that out of his system. He gets up and he washes his face to try to, you know, hide what had happened, and he goes back to see his brothers. So Let's go ahead and read uh, Genesis chapter 44, which is, uh, and we're, we're going to read the entire chapter, um, verse 1 all the way to verse 34. And we read, And he commanded the steward of his house, saying, Fill the man's sack with food as much as they can carry, and put every man's money in his sack's mouth. And put my cup, the silver cup, in the sack's mouth of the youngest, and his corn money, and he did according to the word that Joseph had spoken. As soon as the morning was light, the men were sent away with sent away, they and their asses. And when they were gone out of the city and not yet far off, Joseph said unto his steward, Up, follow after the men, and when thou dost overtake them, say unto them, Wherefore have you rewarded evil for good? Is not this is not this it in which my Lord drinketh, and whereby indeed he divineth? Ye have done evil I'm so, in so doing. And he overtook them, and he spake unto them these words. And they said unto him, Wherefore saith my Lord these words? God forbid that thy servants should do according to this thing. Behold, the money which we found in our sack's mouth, we brought again unto thee out of the land of Canaan. How then should we steal out of thy Lord's house silver or gold? With whomsoever of thy servants it be found, but both let him die, and we also will be my Lord's bondsmen. And he said, Now also let it be according to your, to your words. 
He with whom it is found shall be my servant, and ye shall be blameless. Then then they speedily took down every man's his sack to the ground, and opened every man's sack. And he searched, and began at the eldest, and left at the youngest. And the cup was found in Benjamin's sack. Then they rent their clothes, and laid at every man his ass, and returned to the city. And Judah and his brethren came to Joseph's house, for he was yet there. And they fell before him on the ground, and Joseph said unto them, What deed is this that ye have done? What ye not that such a man as I can certainly divine? And Judah said, What shall we say unto my Lord? What shall we speak? Or how shall we clear ourselves? God hath found out the iniquity of thy servants. Behold, we are my Lord's servants, both we and he also, with whom the cup is found. And he said, God forbid that I should do so. But the man in whose hand the cup is found, he shall be my servant. And as for you, get you up in peace unto your father. Then Judah came near unto him and said, O my Lord, let thy servant, I pray thee, speak a word in my Lord's ear, and let not thine anger burn against thy servant, for thou art even as Pharaoh. My Lord asked his servant, saying, Have ye a father or a brother? And we said unto my Lord, We have a father, an old man, and a child of his old age, a little one, and his brother is dead, and he alone is left of his mother, and my father loveth him. And thou saidest unto thy servants, Bring him down unto me, that I may set my eyes upon him. And we said unto my Lord, The lad cannot leave his father, for if he should leave his father, his father would die. And thou saidest unto thy servants, Except your younger brother come down with you, ye shall see my face no more. And it came to pass, when we came up unto thy servant my father, we told him the words of my Lord. And our father said, Go again, and buy us a little food. And we said, We cannot go down. If our younger brother be with us, then will we go down, for we may not see the man's face, except our youngest brother be with us. And thy servant, my father, said unto us, You know that my wife bare me two sons. And the one went out from me, and I said, Surely he is torn in pieces. And I saw him not since. And if ye take this also from me, and mischief befall him, ye shall bring down my gray hairs with sorrow to the grave. Now therefore, when I come to thy servant, my father, and and the lad be not with us, seeing that his life is bound up in the lad's life, it shall come to pass, when he seeth the lad is not with us, that he will die, and the servants shall bring down the gray hairs of thy servant, our father, with sorrow to the grave. For thy servant became surety for the lad unto my father, saying, If I bring him not unto thee, then I shall bear the blame for, to my father to my father forever. Now therefore I pray thee, let my let thy servant abide inside of the lad a bondsman to my lord, and let the lad go up with his brethren. For how shall I go up to my father, and the lad be not with me? Lest peradventure I see the evil that shall come on my father. So if if you're new, what we do, and I, I guys, I've forgotten to do this in the last few because of all the stress that's been on me. But um, what we usually do here is we read the entire chapter. We go back, we reread that first verse, and then we begin to do our uh, expositories. Right. So we'll go back to verse one and we read. And he commanded the steward of his house, saying, Fill the men's sack with food, as much as they can carry, and put every man's money in his sack's mouth. Right? And it starts off with, and he commanded the steward of his house. Now, you may remember this. I I said this before. Um, My computer's acting up again, guys. Sorry. My My notes are, like, right here. Now, you may remember I said this before, but the Targum of Jonathan, when, when it mentions this particular steward, it, it always it identifies him for some reason as Manasseh. Now, can we be sure that this is Manasseh, who, of course, is Joseph's oldest brother? No, we can't be 100% because the Bible doesn't tell us that. But yes, the Targum of Jonathan does. And the verse continues on saying, saying, fill the men's sack with food and as much as they can carry. Now, he's of cor- he, of course, did this because why? He loves his brothers. He loves his family. 
And he also wanted to make sure that his father and the family all had enough food for the famine. And then we read, and put every man's money in his sack's mouth. Now, this is not talking about what he gave back the first time, okay? No, because we see the steward acknowledge that he did take it, right? This is what they paid for the corn that they that they received this time, okay? And then verse 2 says, And put my cup, the silver cup, in the sack's mouth of the youngest. And his corn money, and he did according to the words that Jonathan, I'm sorry, that Joseph had spoken. I don't know why I said Jonathan. Sorry. <laughs> now look what his look what we see his steward put in the bag because it says right there, my cup, the silver cup. This would be Joseph's own personal cup. It would have been some kind of a special cup that we later see is connected with divination when we get to verses five and fifteen. Now, some like to say it's it's a it's a hydromancy, which means that he he interprets the movement of water, right? And I think that it was just some kind of a cup that that shows Joseph's authority uh, as the vizier of Egypt. Now, the reason I say that is to make sure that you understand something. Just because it has connections with a superstition does not mean that Joseph himself practiced this pagan ritual, okay? It just has that connection. So what do we see? We see Joseph sent his brothers home. We see him give them the money, you know, and we also see that he gives them his own silver cup. And then we see his servant, well, we see Joseph have his servant chase them down. And he opens the bags and he asks for an explanation on how that cup got there. You see... Joseph was so happy to see Benjamin that he comes up with this little trick, an excuse, if you will, to keep Benjamin with him. Joseph's happy to bless the family. He's happy to give them the provisions that they need, but he wants to keep Benjamin there with him. Joseph did not know about the oath that his brothers had taken to, to get Benjamin there. And then verse 3 says, as soon as the morning was light, the men were sent away, they and their asses. Now, let's go back a moment. We're going to discuss that cup a little bit more. I want you to remember what, I, what, what he says, because he said, And put my cup, the silver cup, in the sack's mouth of, it says it there, the youngest, right? Now, the youngest is, of course, Benjamin. Joseph did this, pure, partly because he wanted to put Benjamin in a danger so that he could see what the brothers would do, how the brothers are going to react to Benjamin being put in this predicament. You know, that way he could see just how they honestly felt about Benjamin. He also did it so he would have an excuse to retain him. Like we just said, he wanted to keep Benjamin there. Now, this cup was very valuable because, because of what it symbolized. And also because it was made out of silver, as well as it being, you know, what Joseph himself would have drinking out of. And when you look at how it's described, it, it must have been a big cup, embossed, if you will, some kind of a goblet. Now, I did a little bit of research, and I saw that Jarky said that it was what's called a long cup, uh, a moderno. In the Septuagint, we see it called kandi. That is a, a Persian word, which is uh, an italic cup. These, they, they held about 10, what they called caudalie, which is about a gallon of water. And they weighed about 9 ounces. But does that not seem like it would be too large to drink out of, right? And, and then we also see, and his corn money, which referred to the money that they would have paid for the corn. Anyway... We see that the steward did exactly what Joseph told him to do. He put the money in the sack, and he also put the, corn, the, the cup into Benjamin's sack. And, and then verse 4 says, And when they were gone out of this city, and now yet far off, Joseph said unto his steward, Up, follow after the men, and when, that, and when thou dost overtake them, say unto them, Wherefore have ye rewarded evil for good. So it starts off with, and when they were gone out of the city and not 
far off. You know, maybe this was Tanis, which is uh, called Zoan in the Bible. If you look at Ezekiel chapter 30, verse 14, let me pull it up on my digital Bible because it's much faster. Ezekiel chapter 30 verse 14 we read, And I will make Pathros desolate, and will set fire to Zoan, and will execute judgment in No. And then we read here in verse 4 again, Joseph said unto his steward, Up, follow after the men. I bet you he already had the steward and his men right there ready to go. They were probably all on their horses ready to give chase. That way they could, could go out just as soon as Joseph said, Hey, go. Right. And the steward, he already knew what Joseph wanted, because, like I said, he was the one who who put it in there. He probably even came up with it. You know, him and Joseph probably discussed it. Also notice Joseph was awake. He was awake very bright and early in the morning. He knew what time his brothers were going to leave. He also seems to, to have known where they would even you know be when he sent that steward out after them. And now I'm mentioning all of this because these men going out with the steward. Because a lot of people, when they read it, they think he goes out alone. But I really doubt that. He's charging these men with theft, right? So why would you send a man out alone? You know, anyway, he says this. He says, and when thou dost overtake them, say unto them, wherefore have ye rewarded evil for good? Meaning them taking that cup after all the good things, all the kindness that Joseph has shown them. You know, he'd been entertaining them, feeding them, taking, you know, spending a time with them. If, if, if they had done this, that was base ingratitude, right? All right. Verse five. Is not this it in which my Lord drinketh and whereby indeed he divineth ye have done evil and so doing. And this is where we see that the cup was used for divining. Did you notice that? It's right there. It says divineth. This is a superstition that would have been attributed to that cup, okay? We see it here, and like I said, we, we see it again in, late, in verse 15. It's called a divining cup. Theft of this would, in that time period, especially in, in Egypt, would have been punishable by death. Take a look at Genesis 31-32. Genesis 31, 32 says, With whomsoever thou findest thy gods, let him not live. Before our brethren discern thou what is thine with me, and take it to thee. For Jacob knew not that Rachel had stolen the cup. Now again, I want to make this clear. Joseph would not have used that cup for divining. Joseph is just playing a role here. He's testing his brothers. He wants to see how much these brothers have changed. Would they sit there, would they stand beside Joseph, or would they take that opportunity to get rid of him, right? Because Joseph Stewart, he's helping him. He's helping him set this trap. He knew the plot. He knew it was him, right? And so we see he we see he's the one that chases them down. He's the one that catches them. We see him do the be the one that accuses them of theft. We see that a silver cup or a chalice, if you will, like this one, is used for divining in Egypt. And divining is actually calling on an evil spirit to get advice. Right? This statement, it, it it's made strictly to to further their belief that Joseph was an Egyptian. Because a follower of God, the one true God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, one you know, one like Joseph, would not use a divination, you know, a cup for divination. Let's talk about this, okay? Here we see Joseph Stewart accusing them of stealing from his master. 
This was probably the same one that told them earlier, do not worry. Here he is accusing them of taking the good things that Joseph had done for them and then in turn doing evil to him by stealing his cup. You could take this accusation and simplify it this way. Why did you steal my silver goblet? <laughs> right? Now, verse 6. And he overtook them and he spake unto them these same words. So it says, and he overtook them. Now remember, th their asses were the ones carrying all the corn, and this would have slowed them down. The steward and his men, they're on fast horses, and they're not carrying all this stuff. We see this, and he spake unto them these same words. He said exactly what Joseph told him to say. What we read in verses, uh, especially what we read, I should say, in verse 10, we see them protest because they're accused of theft. They tell him, hey, we're innocent. They point to how they brought back that money earlier, right? They declared death on the one who's responsible and slavery for themselves. Verse 7 tells us this. And they said unto him, Wherefore saith my Lord these words? God forbid that thy servants should do according to these things. And, thy, and they said unto him, Wherefore saith my Lord these words? It's always important when I come to these to make sure that you understand. One of the brothers is speaking here, not all of them. And I believe that right here it's probably Judah. Because he's of course shocked at the charge that's made against him. He's saying that there's no foundation for this. He's surprised to even hear these allegations being made against them. And then they say this, God forbid that the servants should be according should do according to these things. This shows just how detestable they find the thought of doing something like this. They could never be guilty of this, okay? Verse 8. Behold the money which we found in our sack's mouth we brought again unto thee out of the land of Canaan. How then should we steal out of the Lord's house silver or gold? They say, behold, the money which we found in our sack's mouths. This is talking about the money that they found the first trip, right? And they, they tell them we brought it right here. It says, we brought again unto thee out of the land of Canaan. This shows that they are honest. They might have even kept it and told there was a demand for it, right? But no, that's not what they did. They brought it right back with them on their own. Nobody asked for it. They didn't wait. They presented it to them. They offered the money to this steward that most likely is the same one they're talking to here. There's no way he could deny it, right? They brought it back from Canaan, a foreign country. Canaan is not in, under the jurisdiction of Egypt here. The verse says this, how then should we steal out of thy Lord's house silver or gold? This is, of course, speaking about the vessels of silver or, or the vessels of gold. The Targums of Ankelos and Jonathan, they make this evident. You know, with them bringing back the money, why would they take these trinkets? You know, a trinket would be missed, which could, of course, cause them to be arrested and sent to prison you know, where they would then suffer. But money, that means more out of the land, right? You're more likely to recognize my ring than you are money that was in my hand. Verse 9. With, with whomsoever of thy servants is be found, both let him die, and we all will be, your, be our Lord's bondsmen. With whomsoever of thy servants it be found. He's, of course, speaking of that silver cup here. He says, both let him die. This is said very rashly here, okay? They might have even assumed that the cup was, was put there by someone else, right? Just like that money was. But come on, this crime right here honestly does not call for death, right? This is being said just to show how strong he is about, about being innocent here. The verse says, and we also will be my Lord's bondsmen. They will be his servants, you know, for as long as they live. Again, this goes too far beyond the bounds of justice here. The steward, the steward caught them, right? He's accusing them. 
They are so positive that they're innocent that we see them speak of terrible punishments. You know, if they find the cup on them. Judah says that if they wanted to steal, they would never have returned that money to them. Right? Now, now look at look at me. I want to make sure you understand something. Never make a, rare, a rash promise like this, especially if you can't keep it. They speak of death on Benjamin, hard labor on themselves. And then we read in verse 10, and he said, Now also let it be according to your, uh, unto your words, he with whom it is found shall be my servant, and ye shall be blameless. He says it right here. Now also let it be according unto your words. As we see, he does not mean exactly what they say, right? Not exactly their words, but, you know, part of them. Only one would be the servant, and that was the one who had the cup. Moderating the punishment that they fixed and were willing, willing to submit to. So, so they, they could not object to what he, what he proposes here when he says this. He with whom it is found shall be my servant. Here the servant is speaking in the name of his master Joseph, okay? Because he represents Joseph. The, the verse says, And ye shall be blameless. The rest of them would be acquitted of all the charges. They're innocent. They're, they're able to go free. Verse 11 says, Then they speedily took down every man his sack to the ground and opened every man his sack. So we see... Then they speedily took down every man his sack to the ground. I'm going to get a drink of water here. So, every man took down his sack. It says that they put them on the ground. That way they could be looked into, right? And I bet they did this very quickly. <laughs> you know, they're, they're ready to be cleared. They know that they didn't take anything. They thought that this would satisfy the steward. And that they could be on their way, right? And then we see this. And opened every man his sack. He he did this without reluctance. There was no fear in them because they knew they were innocent. Right? And verse 12 says, And he searched and, be, and began to the eldest and left at the youngest. And the cup was found in Benjamin's sacks. It says, And he searched. Now, don't think he just opened the bags and looked in. No, no, no. I bet he searched the entire bag all the way to the bottom. He rummaged through them. He searched deep inside of each one of the bags because he's looking for that cup, which remember, that's what he's looking for. He didn't seem to take notice of the money or even mention the money. You know, then we see this and began at the oldest. The Targum of Jonathan says that he started with Reuben. Him knowing their ages this can be simply explained with how they were seated in order at the table with Joseph. And again, this is another sign of the, you know, how much he knew about the family. This should be a sign of these brothers, but again, they take no notice of it. And we read, and left off at the youngest. This, of course, being Benjamin. Benjamin was the last one he checked. Now, I think he did this to make them sweat. To, to prevent them from getting suspicious. He knew where it was, okay? And then the verse says, And the cup was found in Benjamin's sack, which was right where he put it. Like that old saying goes, The one that hides can find, right? Verse 13, Then they rent their clothes and laid at every man his ass and returned to the city. You know, this one, you know this one already, but we're going to talk about it again. It's rent the clothes, right? If you followed me long enough, you already know what this is. You know, it's it's a custom that was in the Near East, a very well-known custom at that. It's a way of showing the pain that they were feeling. I, I told you there was a horror movie me and Jennifer watched. It was a, it was a Jewish horror movie, and, and uh, in it there was a, a funeral home, and at the funeral they would always rent the collar of their clothes. It was a way, it's a way of showing grief. The brothers, they're upset. They, 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 the, the very thought of leaving Benjamin there to become a slave, just no, right? You know, by what we read, Benjamin is speechless. They've passed a second test here. They've shown that they are devoted to bringing Benjamin home. They're confident that none of them took this, right? 
They had opened their sacks quickly to show, hey, we, we, we didn't do this, right? They're so confident that they did not have this cup that they were very quick to allow them to look. And, and when it was found in Benjamin's bag, well, they tear their clothes in mourning. They, then we see that they returned to the city with him because they promised Jacob, hey, we're bringing Benjamin home. If they went back without Benjamin, you know, they're as good as dead. So let's look at verse 14 now. And Judah and his brethren came to Joseph's home, for he was yet there, and they fell before him on the ground. All right. So look who we see mentioned by name here. And Judah and his brethren came to Joseph's home. Judah. Why Judah? That would be because he's the one that's speaking. And he also is the one that, that's concerned most for Benjamin's safety. We then see that Joseph, it says, for he was yet there, meaning Joseph was at home. He had not left to go to the granaries yet. He was, he was waiting there. He, he, wanted to, he, you know, he wanted to be there when his brothers got there. And we see that the brothers, it says, fell before him yet again. We see that the dream becomes a reality, but this time they're, they're prostrated before him. They're pleading for him to have mercy on Benjamin, the youngest, as well as for Jacob, their father. They're face down on the floor in, in full submission to Joseph. Last time, all they did was bow. Okay, I want to make sure you understand that. They just bowed last time, but now they're fully on the ground. They're face down on the ground. And verse 15 tells us, And Joseph said unto them, What deed is this that ye have done? What ye not that such a man as I can certainly divine? It says, And Joseph said unto them, What deed is this ye have done? The action that they are being blamed for is so wicked, it's base, it's ungrateful. Like, like we said before, there is no way that we could ever understand how bad it is. They received such a great favor from Joseph, and they even have considered, you know, and for them to have even considered it was horrible. So you can imagine that he put on a stern attitude. He pretended to be very angry and full of wrath. Joseph goes on, he says, What ye not that such a man as I can certainly divine? Meaning, he could have divined it. But this must have been without the cup, even though we see no mention of the cup, okay? So in some other way that the Egyptians would divine, or, or maybe he would have had others divine it for him. I don't know. Aben Ezra, he says that he means people that he could consult to find out who took it. Or they should know that a man like him, who, who has you know, such great knowledge, such uh, natural and political whose very name, Zafnath Pania, means a revealer of secrets, would be able to figure this out. Look at Genesis chapter 41, verse 45. Sorry, my digital Bible closed. In Genesis 41, 45, we see this. And Pharaoh called Joseph's name Zafnath Pania, and he gave him to wife Asenath, the daughter of Potipharah, priest of On. And Joseph went out all over Egypt. So they should have been able to conclude that someone like Joseph, with such keen discernment, okay, would easily be able to figure out who took that cup. And a stranger like them, who, who had dined with him, could not expect to take it, right? He's still pretending to be an Egyptian here. Now, with all this talk about divining, I feel I have to say this again, and I'm probably going to say it every time this gets mentioned. I do not believe that Joseph divined anything. He's just trying to make them believe he was an Egyptian. Okay, now, verse 16, we read this. And Joseph said, what shall we say unto my Lord? What shall we speak? Or how shall we clear ourselves? God hath found out the iniquity of thy servants. Behold, we are my Lord's servants, both we and he also with whom the cup is found. Judah is the one that steps up to speak for everyone. That's why it says, and Judah said, Judah is the one that came here to Joseph's house to plead with him. Reuben, he's the firstborn, but he's outclassed here. Okay. 
The verse says, God hath found out the iniquity. This shows that Judah's heart had changed. He acknowledges the providence of God in uncovering their guilt. Okay? Now look at the we here. The we that we see here is a in this questions. Judah does not, you know, a shift, you know, he does not shift the blame here. He doesn't even shift it to Benjamin. We see Judah admit him and his brothers are the ones that sinned. They had not stolen anything from Joseph, okay? They didn't steal the money. They didn't steal the cup. They had stolen Joseph's freedom, okay? We see them accept the punishment that God is giving them, all right, for what they did to Joseph. Verse 17, And he said, God forbid that I should do so, but the man in whose hand the cup is found, he shall be my servant, and as for you, get you up in peace unto your father. Now look at the opening of this verse. Look at the opening of this verse. It says, And he said, God forbid that I should do so. This would be an unjust thing to do it. That's what Joseph's getting at here. Meaning, if he took them all in as, the, as bondsmen because of the actions of that one man, okay? Then he says, but the man in whose hand the cup is found, he shall be my servant. He's not going to kill him. He's not going to kill him like they're, they're thinking. He would be his servant. The verse says, and as for you, get ye up in peace unto your father. He tells them to go, right? He orders them, go home to your father. Take the corn, take the cattle, go in peace. He's not charging them with, he, he, he would not harm them in any way. Remember, he wants to keep Benjamin there. That's what his main focus is. So he's telling the rest of the brothers, go home. Why is he doing this? Simply to test them. That's what he's been doing the whole time. He wants to see how they feel about Benjamin. To see if they would leave Benjamin there. Now watch as we move on. Watch. Because we see a very eloquent and penitent plea for mercy. We see him reference their aged father. The delight in, his, in you know, doting on his youngest son. We see the shock that he would feel if they lost him. When, we, when Joseph sees the compassion that Judah has for the father and how readily he is to, to be a substitute for Benjamin's slavery, Joseph's overwhelmed. His brothers are not the same as they were when, when they sent him away so long ago. Verse 18. Then Judah came near unto him and said, O oh my Lord, let thy servant, I pray thee, speak a word in my Lord's ear, and let not thine anger burn against thy servant, for thou art even as Pharaoh. Jo it says, Then Joseph came near, or I'm sorry, then Judah came near unto him. Like I said, Judah, Judah, Judas, Judah is the spokesman here. We see him pluck up his spirits. He forces himself to be courageous. He gets close to, to Joseph, to the governor. He, he boldly and very politely addresses him we see this and said oh my lord let thy servant i pray thee speak a word in my lord's ear now unlike i have heard some people translate this okay he's not asking for for to speak with him in private all right he's not asking to whisper into joseph's ear nothing like that he's asking please allow me to speak the verse says, and let not thine anger burn against thy servant. He's asking him to, don't be displeased with me. Don't, don't be upset at how boldly I'm about to speak. Or for the freedoms that he's going to take. But just hear me out, right? That's what he's saying. He says, for thou art even as Pharaoh, right? Meaning he's next to him, if not equal to him in power and authority. Joseph could exercise justice if he wanted to. He could show mercy if he wanted to. He could punish. He can release. Okay? However he sees fit to handle it, Joseph could. After Judah gets leave to do so, he starts to speak. We then read what he says. Because Judah pleads for his brother Benjamin as well as, 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 as well as their father. He tells Joseph, you have the power to pardon Benjamin if you want to. Okay, 
Verse 19. My Lord asked his servant, saying, Have ye a father or a brother? Check that out. My Lord asked his servants. He, he brings Joseph's mind back to the first time that they met when they came to buy corn. The verse says, saying, Have ye a father or a brother? He asked them this after they told him that they were sons of an old man back in chapter 42, verse 11. Take a look. Where we are all one man's sons, and we are true men, thy servants are no spies. Okay? So let's go back to chapter 44, verse 20, and where we read this. And we said unto my Lord, We have a father, an old man, and a child of his old age, a little one, and his brother is dead, and he alone is left of his mother, and his father loveth him. Right? It starts off with, And we said unto my Lord, We have a father. They told him that, that, that um, you know, Israel lived back in the land of Canaan. The verse then says, An old man. He was about 130 years old at this time. Seriously. Take a look at chapter 47, verse 9. And Jacob's talking to Pharaoh here, it says, And Jacob said unto Pharaoh, The days of the years of my pilgrimage are a hundred and thirty years. Few and evil have the days of the years of my life been, and have not attained unto the days of the years of the life of my fathers and the days of their pilgrimage. Meaning, he's not as old as his, his father and his grandfather were. All right, The verse says, And a child of his old age, meaning that he was born when he was almost a hundred years old and the verse says a little one this is not talking about his stature i've heard people say that this is, means he was short no this means his age he was the youngest son much younger than they were okay so they represented him on that account because he had been brought up you know tenderly by his father he hadn't been hardened by the businesses or the hardships okay he he was not fit to travel and then Judah says this, and his brother is dead. You know who he's talking about there? He's talking about Joseph. They believed Joseph was dead. Okay? They have not heard from Joseph for over 22 years at this point, if not longer. Okay? They had said that he was dead so much that I believe at this point they actually believed he was dead. Judah says this, and he alone is left of his mother. Benjamin is the only child left of Rachel, who was Jacob's favorite wife. The verse says, and his father loveth him. Not only is Benjamin the youngest son, but like I said, he's the, young, he's the only one left of Rachel who Jacob loved more, making him even more dear to him, right? And then verse 21 says, and thou saidest unto thy servants, Bring him down unto me, that I may set my eyes upon him. Judah keeps going on, right? We see this. He says, And thou saidest unto thy servants, Bring him down unto me. Notice, Judah does not relate the reason for this order. The reason, of course, being that they wanted to prove that they were not spies. He makes it sound like Joseph wanted to show favor to Benjamin, which he did. You know, <laughs> he says that I may set my eyes upon him, not just to barely see him like I saw Abinezra say, okay, even though, yes, that, that would be very desirable to Joseph, very agreeable to him. He wanted to set his eyes on him, right? Not just for his own pleasure, but for the good of Benjamin as well. In the Targum of Jonathan, we see that it adds that he implied, if you will, that he should receive him kindly, that he should show favor to him. You know, use him well, if you will. And in the Septuagint, it says this, and I will take care of him. Remember, the brothers told Joseph that, that Benjamin was back home with their father, that he was afraid to let him come to Egypt with him, or because, you know, something might happen to him. 
So Joseph promised that he would take care of him, that he would not allow any harm to be done to him, that he would provide him with everything that he would need. You see, we see Judah here bring all of this up in this argument that he has in favor of Benjamin. Joseph wanted him to come there so that he could show him kindness. He hopes that Joseph would not keep him there and make him a slave. In verse 22, we read, And we said unto my Lord, The lad cannot leave his father, for if he should leave his father, his father would die. Do you see? And we said unto my Lord, The lad cannot leave his father. Meaning, you know, Jacob's not going to allow him to leave. For if he should leave his father, his father would die. The grief and the trouble that, 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 that he would have would kill him. He would be so afraid that something bad would happen to, to Benjamin that he would not see him anymore. Right? Verse 23. And thou saidest unto thy servants, except for your younger brother come down with you, ye shall see my face no more. Right? And now saidest unto thy servants, he is saying that Joseph answered their objections. Right there. Except your youngest brother come down with you, you shall see my face no more. He did not see this said, you know, well, I should say, we didn't see this said earlier, did we? But we know that it did because of right here. What they told their father, and back in last, well, we talked about this last week, in chapter 43, verse 3. Right? So, we continue on to verse 24. And it came to pass, when we came up unto thy servant, my father, we told him the words of my Lord. This one says it. And it came to pass, when we came unto thy servant, my father, when they went back to the land of Canaan, the verse says, we told him the words of my Lord. They told him what Joseph said. What he said about Benjamin. Verse 25. And our father said, go again and buy us a little food. And our father said, this is meaning after some time had passed, because we know that it had been a while. You know, the corn that they had, that they brought the first time was almost gone, right? It says, go again and buy us a little food so, so that they could survive until this famine was over, right? When you look back at chapter 43, what we read last week which in chapter 43, verse 1. And the famine was sore in the land, right? It was, it was getting serious. Verse 26, and we said, we cannot go down if our youngest brother be with us. Then will we go down, for we may not see the man's face except our youngest brother be with us, right? And we said, we cannot go down. They could not go down there safely, could they? They would be in danger, and no one would go, get any corn because, hey, they're not going to get any answers. We talked about that last week. If our youngest brother be with us, then we will go down. They were asking him to allow Benjamin to go with them to Egypt, and only then would they be would they be able to go there without any difficulty, right? For they for we may not see the man's face except our youngest brother be with us. They would not see the face of Joseph the governor. You know the phrase we see here is the man. That's not like I said last week. This is not a diminutive thing. It's an it's to express his grandeur because it was made in a if it was made in a diminutive way. They would not have said it to his face, would they? <laughs> they would have been more polite. And then in verse 27, And thy servant my father said unto us, Ye know that my wife bare me two sons. And thy servant my father said unto us, When they were pressing on him, trying to get him to let Benjamin to go, he said, ye know that my wife bare me two sons. This is, of course, speaking about Rachel, because it was her that was the mother of Joseph and Benjamin. She's the one that we see him call his wife, because we've discussed this many times. Rachel was his only, you know, lawful wife. Because remember, Leah was forced on him. The other two were just concubines. 
Uh, you can read about Leah in verse 29, or chapter 29, verse 20, and then the other two concubines uh, in verses in chapter 30, verse 4. Now, verse 28 says this, And the one went out from me, and I said, Surely he is torn in pieces, and I saw him not since. And the one went out from me. He's saying that he was sent to see how his brothers were doing. The ones that, that were feeding the flocks of Shechem, remember? That he had that Joseph never returned. And I said, surely he is torn to pieces. Now, this is talking about by some wild beast. He said it when he saw the coat that had been brought to him that was covered in blood. The verse says, and I saw him not since. I had it had been about by this point it had been about twenty two years since that happened. If people are right that that Joseph was in Memphis, he would not you know he was not that far away from from him. But honestly, with his time in Potiphar's house and then all that time in prison and all the business that you know he's been taking care of for Pharaoh, he didn't have a chance to try to go visit. I think though that. This was all done in the providence of God. That he, sh he should not see his father until that proper time. When it would be for the glory of God and the good of the family. Right? Verse 29 says, And if ye take this away, if ye take this also from me, and mischief befall him, ye shall bring down my gray hairs with sorrow to the grave. Jacob says, and if you take this from also from me, I think that this shows us that Jacob was, he at least suspected that the brothers had took Joseph away and he's afraid that something bad would happen to Benjamin here. We see and mischief befall him mischief anywhere, either on the road there to Egypt, right? You know, some kind of an accident, but especially death. The Targum of both Ankelos and Jonathan make it very clear. And then we read, Ye shall bring my gray hairs with sorrow to the grave. If something happened to Benjamin, this would kill Jacob. Because he would have lived full of sorrow and grief. Take a, take a look back at chapter... We're going to read this one. Chapter 42, verse 38. I feel this is very important. And he said, My son shall not go down with you, for his brother is dead, and he is left alone. If, if mischief befall him by the way in which ye go, then shall ye bring down my gray hairs with sorrow to the grave. Okay? Verse 30. Now therefore, when I come to thy servant, my father, and the lad be not with us, seeing that his life is bound up in the lad's life. Now, Let's start it off at the beginning. Now, therefore, when I come to thy servant, my father, meaning when they go home to, to, Joe, to Jacob, back in Canaan, and all the brothers are there but Benjamin, he says, and the lad be not with us, meaning Benjamin. You know, notice that he calls him a lad, even though Benjamin is 30 years old at this point. I kid you not, look at chapter 43, verse 8. <laughs> and Judah said unto Israel his father, Send the lad with me, and we will arise and go, that we may live and not die, both we and thou, and also our little ones. Okay? And then we read this. Seeing that his life is bound up in the lad's life, Jacob loves Benjamin so much. Benjamin is so dear to Jacob's soul. He's wrapped up in him. He, he cannot live without him. He would die. Right? Take a look at 1 Samuel 18.1. And it came to pass when he had made an end of speaking unto Saul that the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Right? Now pay attention when we read the next verse, please. Pay, pay real close attention. Verse 31. It shall come to pass when he seeth the lad is not with us that he will die, and thy servants shall bring down the gray hairs of thy servant our father with sorrow to the grave. 
It shall come to pass, when he seeth that the lad is not with us, that he will die. What what he's saying here is that as soon as Jacob saw them coming, right? He wouldn't, not even, you know, he's seen that Benjamin's not there. He wouldn't even ask them anything. He would just assume, hey, Benjamin's dead. It would seize his spirit and he would die right there. Almost like he had a heart attack, right? And then we read, and thy servant shall bring down the gray hairs of thy servant our father with sorrow to the grave. He just said that back in verse 29, didn't he? It would hurt them to be the reason that their father is in pain. It would distress them to even think about that. Judah is telling the truth here. He is stating his case to the ruler who, who, who he does not realize is Joseph, continuously telling him, right? This right here presses on Joseph's heart. He doesn't want to cause his father any pain. And Judah, he just keeps on pleading with Joseph here. Verse 32. For thy servant became surety for the lad unto my father, saying, If I bring him not unto thee, then I shall bear the blame to my father forever. We see that, you know, for thy servant became surety for the lad unto my father. This is another argument here that they, they made to, to get Jacob to allow Benjamin to go with them, saying, If I bring him not unto thee, then I shall bear the blame unto my father forever. Remember this part right here. Okay? Keep that in mind. But go back and look at chapter 43, verse 9. I will be surety for him of my hand shall thou require him. If I bring him not unto thee and set him before thee, then let me bear the blame forever. Wow. Moving on. We're going to look at verse 33 here. Now, therefore, I pray thee, let thy servant abide instead of the lad, a bondsman to my Lord, and let the lad go up with his brethren. Now, therefore, I pray thee, let thy servant abide instead of the lad, a bondsman to my Lord. Jarky observes that Benjamin for strength and war, and that Judah is a type of Christ. And it's from his line that Jesus comes. Isn't that amazing? Look at Judah. Just like Jesus, he's trying to take the legal place, like how Jesus became sin and a curse so that we could go free. Judah, he wanted to do that for his brother here. Read on. And let the lad go up with his brethren. Let Benjamin go back to Canaan, back to their father. And then here's the last verse of the day, verse 34. For how shall I go up to my father and the lad be not with me? Lest peradventure I see the evil that shall come on my father. So we see, for how shall I go up to my father and the lad be not with me? He's saying that he would have to stay in Egypt. He couldn't go back to Canaan without Benjamin. He wouldn't be able to go look his father in the face. Because if Benjamin wasn't with him, it would kill his father, right? And then we read, lest peradventure, I see the evil that shall come on my father. He would see Jacob die. Or he, or, or he would watch his father live in sorrow that would be even worse than death. He couldn't bear to see his father like that. He would rather live as a slave in Egypt. And you see, when, jo- when Joseph hears this from Judah, he sees how much his brothers, especially Judah, loved his father and Benjamin, as well as how sorrowful they were for what they did to him. And seeing that they believed all this trouble was them being punished for what they did to him. He can't conceal it anymore. He reveals who he is. Which is what we will read about next week in the next chapter. This last part is what was most touching to Joseph. You see, Joseph asked to be a substitute for Benjamin. He told Joseph that it would be easier for him to be Joseph's slave for the rest of his life 
than to live knowing he was the one who brought grief on his father. That would kill him. And this touches Joseph's heart. Joseph forgives them, just like how Jesus will forgive you. Think about that. All right, guys, that's all for this week. Um, again, I want to thank you all for your prayers and your um, and your love for you know, during all this hard time that we've been going through. And again, like I said, I'm leaving that GoFundMe up for a little while longer because I don't know when the strike's going to end. You know, we're we're going to have enough to pay our bills. You know, thank God he's he's you know he heard my prayers and and he's 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 great. He's a great and loving God, a very good father. And I you know I can't thank him enough. He's He's, he, he's always there when we need him. I, I never had any doubt that he would take care of me and my family. You know, we need it. We need, we are, we, we're always in need of him and it's always him. He, he did this. He's always, he always is there and he always takes care of us. So if you guys need anything, please don't, don't be fear to reach out. I'm always here to listen, to, to pray for you, pray with you, uh, you know, if you need a, if you guys want to do a wedding, cause I'm still off, you know, I can still do weddings, um, when, when you need them. I love you all. God bless you and keep you. And I'll see you all soon. Thank you. You have been listening to sermons in the park with Reverend Jamie McCaskill. Be sure to follow us on YouTube, BitChute, and rumble. And as always, thank you for listening. There's joy for the morning. Sinner be still. Earth has no sorrow, heaven can't heal. Earth has no sorrow, heaven can't heal. So let